When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. In this week's episode, I took a trip down to see Michael Furick, the owner and operator of Furick Cup, a line of large diameter TIG cups that assist with gas coverage, along with all kinds of other products. Mike shares about how he started his career in welding by attending night school and working at a motorcycle dealership, where he was encouraged to move to North Carolina to pursue a career in the racing world. He talks about his experience working on his first race team, welding together armored vehicles, fabricating Formula One exhaust systems, and then eventually starting his own business. Mike also shares how an online argument led him to design and patent the FUPA Cup and give some valuable business advice to the audience. We dive in after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you tired of carrying multiple pieces of equipment on your service truck? Lincoln Electric has introduced the solution, the Ranger Air 260 MPX. This multifunction engine drive combines an air compressor, generator, battery charger, battery jump starter, and multi-process welder in one compact device. Specifically designed for the unpredictable circumstances and job demands of the work truck industry. But that's not all. The Ranger Air 260 MPX is also designed to provide a lower cost of ownership with features such as auto stop-start technology and an electronic throttle body engine with variable engine speed. Don't miss out on this versatile and reliable machine that can handle any demanding job site. Visit www.lincolnelectric.com for more information on the Ranger Air 260 MPX available later this year and save space on your truck for other tools and gear with this compact power horse. Do you want to introduce yourself to people just in case they're not familiar with you and your work? I am uh, Freddie Furick. <laughs> Y'all know me from... <laughs> Might know me from uh, What the Flux. What the Flux. I am the Freddie Furick of What the Flux. Michael Furick, owner of Furick Cup, originally dog fabrication and turned into Furick Cup after a um, 2015, I got a patent on a uh, welding cup and started manufacturing them and selling them all over the world. With your fabrication company, is that where you're making the armored vehicles? Uh, no. So originally I started my career in racing, yeah. you know, before that I was like probably r- around 22. I took a night welding school in New York and I learned how to like do a couple things, MIG. And then I, they had a TIG welder in the corner of the thing. No one known that I used it. So I, I taught myself how to TIG weld or sort of TIG weld. And then I moved down South and got into to racing. When you were living in New York, like what made you want to get into racing? Were you always really into racing or? So funny thing is uh, I'm more of a motorcycle guy. I'm into like Japanese fast sport bikes, you know, and I always liked the fabrication of the choppers and things like that. So originally in that era that was going on, like a lot of the chopper builds, a lot of, you know, the hand fabrication, it was more glorified. It was starting to get like, very much front center of like a really cool profession where before that you wouldn't know what was like a profession that somebody would want to do. Like when you think of someone that says like, Hey, I build race cars. Well, that's weird. What do you do? Or that's neat. You know, what do you do to that race car? Some guys, you know, install windows their whole career, but some guys make metal panels and stall chassis and weld and fabricate and cut stuff. So I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was that age. All I knew is that I wanted to do something because I'm good at making things, whether it be out of wood, whether it be out of whatever. I was working at the motorcycle dealership at the time. And what were you doing? I, uh, I was a technician around 22. I went, actually, I went to Motorcycle Mechanics Institute in 
Phoenix and I got kicked out of there. But I ended up getting a job, luckily. In, in Why'd New you York get kicked out? Because I was starting fights. Well, I wasn't starting them. I was finishing the fights. Finishing I fights. was finishing fights. So I got kicked out of school. I ended up moving back to New York and I got a job at a dealership. It's funny because 90% of the kids that graduate there never work in the industry. You know, they go back to working at, you know, Coles, Coles or Tyson chicken or <laughs> something, wherever they come from, you know, wherever what's big in the area, you know, they come from, they end up going back home and getting some old lady knocked up and they never pursue their motorcycle dreams. <laughs> like, well, back to beef jerky factory it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so they uh they get back there but i ended up like being you know i started it as a low man on the totem pole like everything in life you know hey you're gonna you're start gonna, somewhere yeah, you're gonna take these four wheelers out of these boxes and then when you get trusted to do things you get kicked into like doing pdis and then fixing things and you know but you're also hope that you're working under someone that's brilliant in that industry and I worked around a lot of smart guys and I think it's more or less my sense of humor that made me more likable because I'm like whatever we could say whatever and cut up and like if you could laugh at yourself then you will get along very well with just about anybody right if you're like you know you don't take yourself too serious um never tell you can never, never do, do that. You never, never do, do that. I don't even know what that means <laughs> yeah I'm like yeah I'm like Let's, I'd rather laugh than, you know, do anything. Cry. So, yeah, I'd rather laugh than cry. Yeah. Um, even when I'm serious, I try to make it funny. Things are always serious, but they always can be funny. So, so I worked there, got a job at the dealership, working at the motorcycle thing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go take a, a night welding school and just, just weld and figure out the machines or what it's all about. So I did that. And then the instructor at the welding school he was like a circle track guy up in New York. And he's like, man, you need to go down in Carolina and go work in NASCAR. And I'm like, okay, I'm not a NASCAR like fan that big. You know what I mean? I'm like, obviously I'm a fan now because I've been working in it for years and met all the people that in the different teams and support them and have appreciation for what they do and what the sport is. I mean, the cars are just crazy. Yeah. But I was like, all right, well, shit, I'm going to get on a moving truck and, you know, go down to North Carolina. And so I did. And um, I ended up getting a job at a motorcycle dealership <laughs> when I moved. There, I was right? like, hey, we see on your resume yeah, here yeah, that so. you're really good at unpacking ATVs. Yeah. So I. <laughs> so, yeah, I ended up getting a job at a motorcycle shop out in Hickory. And then oh, um, good old Hickory, North good Carolina. Old Hickory. Hickory. Then. Uh, I finally landed a job at a drag race team. And one of my best friends today was the guy who hired me. And, um, you know, I was a kid and didn't know shit, but I could lay a little bit of, bit of weld. And I think more than anything, he'll tell you that I was not the type of guy he hires, but I think they just needed somebody. So he ended up hiring me and... I started at the bottom. So, you know, I would clean things and prep things. And then, you know, they gave me, we did a lot of carbon fiber grinding. So I would have to go and grind carbon fiber. And the whole body of like the drag cars are carbon, like okay. the whole shell, you know, and then it's got doors, it's got hood panels and, you know, it's got everything's like exterior is carbon fiber. And nobody likes to grind that shit, right? Why? Because it's itchy. Uh, and it's, oh, the it's, little fibers. Yeah, it's like black and it's itchy. So you get just coated with carbon. You know, you got a mask on. But what's funny is, is like fiberglass makes me itch. Mm -hmm. Carbon doesn't make me itch until I put a shirt on over it. Like if I've been grinding carbon or like cutting carbon fiber and you cut it with like a ziz wheel, like a regular three inch ziz wheel with an air tool, that stuff, I'm fine with it all day as long as I don't put on a shirt over it. So that's why you're such a big fan of being shirtless everywhere. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, Trojan man. Yeah, yeah. If I know it's cold out, I'll try to like bundle up and and cut because I know like I'm not going to be putting on anything more. I'll be taking it off. 
But when it's hot, like in Carolina, I'd have to go outside because they'd be like, all right, you're not grinding this shit inside. You're going outside. So you're like, oh, man, all right, cool. So going back to the move, you know, I moved and I got the job in the drag racing, was the carbon grinder for a while. And then Todd Beavis at the time, he was my boss, right? He's one of my best friends today. Still see him. I mean, this is 20 something years ago. Shout out Todd. Shout out Todd. Todd's a, Todd's a good dude. It's funny because when you were young and in a, a position like that, like all you want to do is weld. Like I can't wait to weld. And they won't let you weld until they trust you. So, you know, you get to weld a little bit here and there. And then it's like, I remember the first day I was, I was said, hey, why don't you go weld this on the race car? And I'm like, what? You know, like today's the day I get to weld this thing on a race car. You know, it's going to go down the racetrack. It's more or less like, you know, it's a slow process. And I think it was the best way to do it was to make it that important. What was it you were welding on? Man, it was like a freaking little bracket, I think, to hold an air bottle or something like that. You know, it was something very minute, very minor, but it was like, I did that. I was so nervous. It really made it to mean something. Like, you're not going to take somebody's life for granted. You're not going to that everything's important type deal where even if it is like a a little bracket that whatever you know you're going to take the detail and you're going to have respect for all the little parts and pieces and then the tasks that you're asking right so it's like even the way I took care of myself back then was like I can't go to work hungover from the night before because I'm putting something together that someone's going to be risking their life in. you know it's not like I'm building a coffee table you know Shout out to everybody that's building coffee tables. But if you're building something that someone's going to be potentially killed in, I don't want to give them not my best, you know, 100%, you know, and it's often that we miss a lot of things when we're not paying attention way more than even when we do. I miss a ton of things when I'm paying attention, but, you know, when you're not paying attention, it's the worst. When I teach people how to weld or when I give people advice, I try to always give them the prior warning like, hey, this thing is potentially going to be someone's death trap. So please take that into account when you're making something for somebody, because a lot of people want to go right from learning how to weld to, you know, opening up a business and building someone's car parts. And you're like, dude, you don't know how to properly fit something together yet. Like, Think about what you're doing so you're not going to kill somebody, yeah. you know, and knowing how things break and learning all that, you know, l- learning how things fail. It's very important into the um, education of making successful parts. You know, luckily, I had some of the older people to kind of guide you through and say, hey, like, rethink about this or like, what do you think about doing this, you know? And a lot of times the older people have gone through so many employees, they really know how to communicate with their employee, you know, in a way to um, help without arguments or, you know, they just know how to communicate. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of like a, a big style of that. I see a lot of these days is people just asking questions Mm -hmm. like open-ended questions Mm -hmm. and even like i was a tutor at the welding school i went to and they're like don't tell them how to do it you have to ask them guiding questions Mm -hmm. and it's like i I do see the value in that type yeah and create like constructive criticism or just you know in a criticism in a way that is not gonna kill somebody yeah not or break the spirit. Not break the spirit. Just like, hey, dude, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? What do you think? Let's think about this. Let's think about this, dude. We like, have a rock talk real yeah. fast. <laughs> you want to drive your mama home in this? Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. So then you started welding. What was your welding progress? Like, what was that that journey for you? Like, when you started welding on, you welded that bracket, then how did it escalate? Because it, you, you're a huge fan of TIG, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, so, just a wild guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Drag racing is, I don't even think a lot of these drag race teams and shops that make drag race cars, they don't even have MIG welders in the shop. So, like, that's something foreign to them, you know? And that's that's what it was. Like, nothing on a professional drag race car, like a pro stock or even a top fuel, 
Nothing is MIG welded. Everything's TIG welded. Even all the tables in the shops were TIG welded. You know, even though like today I'll break, I'm going a, I'm to a break me out of MIG weld and throw it down, dude, because I'm just too old and lazy. But when I was young, everything was TIG welded. It takes a lot more time and, and all that. So you just, you just learn to have that patience. If it's your only tool, you're going to learn to have patience and build it and be efficient and fast at it. And that's, that's the thing too. It's like being fast at setting up, throwing it down, getting in and out, you know, with the TIG where you could grab a MIG and just throw a turd around, around the tube. Oh yeah. You know, and you're good to go. I mean, I love MIG welding. I mean, it's definitely a good thing to me and, and I, I respect the MIG weld, but you know, I do love TIG welding. Now the progression is just, you get to weld here and there. And I had bought a welder at my house that I was doing some things and practicing all the while. I would stay after work even and practice some. I'd have pr plenty of scrap and you just get better and um, work on your rhythm, work on your timing, your dip timing, your tungsten control as far as height and angle. And you just try to be that machine and try to make everything perfect, you know? And um, you try to outdo the guy you're working with. Oh yeah. You know? Super competitive. Like that was my favorite part about going to welding school is always just like the competition. Mm -hmm. Be like, yeah, the, I just passed this position. I'm <laughs> on to this next one. You're still, you're still pad welding. No big deal. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> still grinding. Yeah, still grinding that plate. Nice. <laughs> TIG welding is very interesting to me. I love TIG welding. But I still don't think I'm that great at it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I, my TIG welds don't look like most people's TIG mm -hmm. welds. The dabs and everything, because I was taught lay wire. Like we yeah. were doing pipe welding, yeah. it's all lay wire, not really dabbing anything. Yeah. And you just, just let it be. Just let it be and just yeah. feed more if you need it, but not, you know, so the whole dabbing, I'm not that great at it. But. Yeah. So the motorsport style welding is definitely different from your industrial side where you've got to be a little bit more controlled with your filler hand mm -hmm. so well there's a lot that goes into like your outcome by the input with your filler hand and where you're going to dab it in the puddle where if you're laying wire and walking the cup it's a little bit different of a process where i think a guy that motorsport welds like dabs is going to have a tough time learning to walk the cup because he's a dabber you know what I'm saying? He's really good at just picking up the welding wire and dipping in the puddle and going around where, you know, the guy that learns to walk the cup in turn is going to have a little bit harder time dabbing because yeah. he's got to learn that process. See, I'm not good at walking the cup either. <laughs> I'm a freehander. You just free lay, lay, lay it down and free, yeah. just, just breeze over it. Yeah. Deal. yeah. That's, that's me, yeah. man. Yeah. Like I, I, I enjoy it, you know? But. Yeah. Yeah, TIG, TIG is so, so much fun. You know, in the drag race world, you get to weld everything from aluminum, a lot of aluminum, a lot of chromoly, a lot of some titanium. They're using it a lot more nowadays than they used to. Magnesium, you know, we're welding on pistons, we're welding on cylinder heads, we're fixing things and welding on all sorts of stuff, you know. And then if you're lucky, you get to weld on the car hauler too. Cause that thing will break down all the time and you have to go under that. It's sketchy. The drag race team was fun. I did that for a, you know, a few years, built some championship winning cars. And then the 2007, 2008 housing crisis happened. And then the economy fell out and everybody's trying to figure out what they're doing. So sponsorship, dried up in a lot of race teams and and drag racing that doesn't have the huge budgets nascars have anyway they were kind of hung out to dry a little bit so your big name teams were still running we were still running too but i was kind of just sitting around a lot and mm -hmm. i was getting paid to sit around and i'm like ah, i'm gonna go do something else so then i got a call from a random call one day from uh this company that was starting to build armored vehicles. And they were like, hey, you wanna come down and see if you're a fit for this? And so I'm like, sure. So I came down and they ended up hiring me. And Did you have to take a weld test? Had to take a weld test, had to take all that fancy, you know, fancy tests. 
that's where I learned how to like be pretty good at MIG because I had to pass all these MIG tests to weld on armor plating. Yeah. So when I first started with that company, they weren't really manufacturing here yet. They were still in California, but we were setting up the shop here in Charlotte. And there was a lot of just sitting there laying big old MIG welds and getting good. And then you'd have to go and pass your um, certifications and um, some TIG certifications. And was um, it like open root, double side grooves? Or? You would do uh, you would do an open root. It would be a 3G and it was on AR500 plate. So you'd, you'd have to be preheated. You'd lay a nice root and then start laying some fillers and then a, a nice cat pass. Then the TIG welding stuff, which we didn't do a, a ton of TIG welding there. Mostly all the chassis and everything were MIG welded, you know, and then some, some of the finer components were TIG welded where like some of the, like the interior parts and, you know, little brackets here and there, but most of the brunt of the, the armored vehicles were MIG welded. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Just regular MIG or we use in flex core? Like no, just regular, um, regular, regular wire, you know, your 70 S2 or S6 wire gas. Yeah. Just letting that's, it go. That's interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So the thing about that is like if you're welding on armored plate, you don't want to overheat the plate. You want to weld it as good as you can, but you don't want to kill it because yeah. you're going to change the temper in the plating. So like, you know, designs have to be taken into account, like where you want the welds on the armored vehicles, because you're technically changing that area in the vehicle to unarmored. Because you're changing the temper of the plating. Yeah. So you're softening, you know, where you're putting and how like the designs and how you're how you're laying up joints. You know, sometimes you're like, hey, man, this don't even make sense. But what you're doing is you're doubling up and reinforcing corners where you have to put a weld in in making something you wouldn't traditionally do. But for the sake of keeping that area as armored as you can keep it. You know, you would do a joint like that. Because you can't really just heat the whole thing up and dip it into a big bucket of oil. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can't. And you don't want to, like, go crazy with huge amounts of heat, you know, in some More of the made welding processes. You know, some of the, you know, really. Spray arc. You're just throwing it down. I mean, the plating was heavy enough to, you know, do some of that, those processes. But we would just use standard MIG where... You just keep the heat out as much as you can. And um, they did a very good job. The cars were very, very good quality. Bunch of really good welders that we worked with over there. A lot of them, few of them were going overseas. As the years went by, the guys would go and do like a, like a 200 or 250-day tour over there. And they'd get paid tax-free money. But they'd be on the base, yeah. you know, do, being like support. So after working in armored vehicles, you started your fabrication shop? Yeah. So once the, um, I worked for the armor deal for a few years and then the economy started to get a little bit better. And at that time, the armored, the armor deal, they were moving to South Carolina mm. and, um, classic. Yeah. They had bought a huge building and they were going to start doing some different vehicles. They ended up moving and I was like, nah, I'm not driving for the money they were paying. And I was like, it was time for me to leave. So I ended up going back to racing and I worked for another drag race outfit where I was doing more motor stuff where motor fabrication support in that. That's hard. And during that time I was starting to get a lot more business for myself and start like a side business finding random things to make people and it wasn't even race car things you know and that's that's where the i think even my, my old boss would say todd would say he sees what i'm doing because like i don't care if i need to make a toilet seat you know what i mean like i'm i'm happy making simple things it doesn't have to be a race car part you know it doesn't i can make a whatever and be happy doing it you know I was making a lot of like, I don't know, random things for people, fixing things. And I was more than happy to do that while making race car parts. I did the drag race team for a while. And 
I then had got a random offer to work for a, like a professional exhaust manufacturer that they, they pioneered Formula One exhaust systems. They're from the UK. They still are in the UK. They basically brought the kind of the aerospace technology at the time to Formula One. And they still are one of the forefront builders of Formula One professional, you know, European exhaust systems. So I got with them and I ended up running this shop here in the United States. I went over there, I went overseas and I built some Formula One parts, worked, you know, worked closely with the fabricators over there, extremely talented guys. And the one thing that I learned over there was like, everything's passed down there more. Where, you know, United States, we kind of get like whatever is brought to us from overseas. But like in the UK and, and you know, European countries, they, they've been doing and being in the same area for hundreds and thousands of years. You know what I mean? So like things and traditions stay over there. Um, where it's, it's like, okay, the United States is, is a little different. We have a lot of um, pioneering here in different methods and stuff because we're not passed down, right? So like the same type techniques were used in like UK and in Europe. And they're like, this is how we do it. This is what's been doing. This is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to stay doing it, right? Yeah. Where in the United States, we don't have that. We have a, like a, we this have like a, lie, yeah, this is like a 50 <laughs> years of this is how we're going to do it. And then you get an asshole like myself and yeah. I'm like, no, this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah, you know what I mean? The new way. This is the new way. I'm the captain now. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so the cool thing about the UK was, is that I got, I got a taste of some tradition, like old world, you know, hand making things, you know, and you're even like, you're like, well, you think like an exhaust system and a lot of guys can't fathom how how intricate some of these parts can be where you're hand forming these parts, you know, shoot Formula One exhaust systems and can go from anywhere to 50 to $100,000 per car just for an exhaust system. And nuts, you know, a lot of those parts are one off parts. They're exotic metals. They're hand formed. They're not just round tube. And they've got to like make these parts by hand. And what separates, I tell guys all the time, what separates a really quality fabricator from somebody that's just a mediocre fabricator is that when I make a part for the first time, it looks like the 50th time I made it mm. because I'm just, you know, that confident in my skills and I could see the process through. So like I've already thought five steps ahead of where I'm at. I'm already, you know, in my head, I'm already there. almost done making this part before I even start. You know, I already know where the processes are going. Like I didn't paint, like you don't want to paint yourself into a corner when you're making things. Yes. You know, you want to figure out like, okay, these, these are the parts of making this that are going to throw me for a loop. Let me figure out that. So how, where am I going to have potential issues? Even back then, a few years ago, I haven't been fabbing as much now. I was way more on my game. But being sharp in, in that, where again, like the United Kingdom, I learned a lot of more traditional ways of making things, which was great, you know? Like hand making? Like yeah, hand you're hand tools. making things. You're freaking hammering stuff out and you're being a surgeon with tubing and making these crazy exhaust parts because... Formula One actually scans, you know, they, they electronically scan the, the exhaust systems when you're done. So you have to pass checks, the same 3D scans where they do, you know, all sorts of things. But, you know, that's what kind of precision and repeatability they want between the exhaust systems, even from like computer models to what they're receiving. So the level of money that they put into making fixtures and everything else, because the teams demand that type of precision where it's like, will like something that's like a hundred thousands off, will that make a difference in performance? No, but they want to scrutinize that. So if they want that level of precision, they're going to have to pay for 
the crazy fixturing that's needed and, and all this other stuff. So that would be cool to see a person. Yeah. And just be like, well, I know what I'm not going to do. What's funny is that the level of scrutiny that Formula One has is is more than aviation. Dang. So it's just aviation is probably a little bit more paperwork. Yeah. But the, you know, the tolerances that these Formula One teams and everything have are probably more than some of the aviation standards. Yeah, we're looking at you, Delta. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've seen some of these airplane wells and I'm like, ooh. I'm not going up in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no. um, actually, I think I forgot my bag yeah. down at, at the check-in. I ain't going to lie. I mean, the worst weld I've ever seen is probably the one that holds out for like 60 years. You know what I mean? Oh, that yeah. one, you're like, man, that thing is that thing is still, still rocking. Holding. It's still rocking. Still doing it. I was like, like my grandpa, like he... He used to repair his trailer or his tractor all the time. Mm -hmm. And like after I learned how to weld and went out there again, I looked at all of them. I was like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It's like, whoa. <laughs> Grandpa was like, he was, he was drinking. Yeah, no, he just, he was, I mean, he was great. Yeah. Great at doing all kinds of stuff, but welding. Well, yeah. Wasn't, wasn't the worst beats I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, I thought my dad was like the greatest carpenter in the world. And now I'm old and like looking at this stuff, like my dad's wall paneling and stuff like that, you know, I'm it's like, a curved a little yeah, bit I'm of. like, dad, what the hell is this? You know, but like when you're young, you don't know what the hell yeah. you're looking at. You're like, like, man, man. My, my dad can fix everything. He's like Bob Vila, you know, <laughs> now he's like, damn, you're Ray Charles, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's the, that's the joys of being young. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, then what inspired you to make these cups then? Um, like, because yeah. you said you had to get a patent. So yeah. that means it didn't exist. So. Yeah. So that that exact one was the, the FUPA 12. So we're, we're welding on a lot of titanium and Inconel. Mm -hmm. And we're using like big diameter, you know, gas lenses, like the huge ones. And they're all heavy. And at the time, I had a guy named Tommy, one of my good friends, Tattoo Tom. He came in, uh, he was working for me and he's like, yo, you should get on Instagram. And I'm like, what the hell is an Instagram? Because yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm full working. I got kids. I got like, I got no time for anything social media. And I'm like, okay. So he showed me an Instagram and that was, it was fairly new at the time or newish. Yeah. So he showed me like the welding community of Instagram. I'm like, holy shit, this is pretty cool. So I got on the Instagram and um, got a profile. And, you know, we started posting pictures and stuff like that of welds for the exhaust stuff. Because at that time, it was like, you know, nobody's looking at Inconel exhaust systems on Instagram, you know. So we were like bringing out those and, and how we're... Um, you know, at the time, Instagram was just pictures, too. So you're not throwing videos down, which was a lot easier. I'm terrible at making videos. But we're doing that. And then um, the whole cup war thing happened where um, there was a few random people making bigger diameter cups. And um, they were charging a crazy amount of money for them because you had you had people just like willing to pay these guys whatever they wanted to you know obtain these things and i'm like whatever dude so i ended up like typically me i'm in the back shouting causing problems and um you know we start arguing me and and some other guys and then i ended up developing the first formed glass flooding cup which is now the fupa so i figured out how to make glass i you know trial and errored it I developed the screen system in the FUPA and it worked so well. I ended up getting the patent on it and then that whole deal was started. So it, it basically started out from an argument. I'd love you know, that. Some of the old timers on Instagram will remember the cup wars and the funny things, you know, and it's like, I'm all about competition. I love competition. I love competing. But I also, even more than that, I love making fun of people. And, and I think that's the whole thing about competition, too, because you're laughing at your competition yeah. or you're like making fun of them or you're just like, you know, that's why I'm so against not being able to celebrate in the end zone. Like you just made a touchdown, dude. Celebrate. I want to see your best celebration. You know what I mean? Like everybody gets all butthurt, like, 
oh, you can't celebrate. Like, dude, I'm all for that. Like, rub it in my face. If you beat me, I want you to rub it in my face because this is going to make me try that much harder, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm like, go easy on me. Nah, man, like, like if you beat me, like, good for you. And something ex- that I tried very hard on, you know? So, like, during those days, Instagram was fun, very fun. We were, there's a lot of poking at people and making fun of people. And um, this guy one time made this thing called Weld Memes or Weld... I forgot what it was. I think it was Weld memes and they were just, he was just, everybody was bagging on each other, you know, and talking all this smack and it was, it was just hilarious. And we're making things at the, on race cars and we're w- looking at people's Weld memes and then make fun of certain people. And it, it was funny. It was, it, it was good days on Instagram, but it was also easier to build your profile back then because the, yeah. And then the, you know, they didn't have people like in shadow band groups where they have them today, where like if you like certain something, then your pages won't get seen as much. And and the, um, you know, everything was in chronological back then anyway. So if you followed them, you're going to see everything, yeah, you know, it's, it's a different area today on on the interwebs and, and um, social media. So trying to, you know, make videos and make catchy things and stuff like that, like we were talking earlier was... It's definitely like, it's not so much like sometimes who can make the coolest thing. It's like just what people think are cool at that minute. Yeah, at that time. You know, or what's catchy. Like that video would have been great if you put it out yesterday at 1 p.m. Right, right. Yeah, there have been some people that that's what they would have been into. But some guy wants to see, you know, some garden tool get manufactured today. You know what I mean? When it, it originally started... It was all about who's got the nicest looking welds, you know, and and I think when I first at that time in my life, I was probably a little bit more of a weld snob than I am now, you know, where you get to appreciate, I think, even as you get older and, and lazier, like that people actually made something no matter how it turned out. Yeah, it was like the dude got in there, he got in his garage and he freaking knocked it out. Right. Like. Then you get these assholes that maybe I was with some of that when I was younger that were like, well, 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 even though that thing's cool, look at that weld. It's like shitty looking, you know, and like, yeah, but the dude went in there and he busted his ass and there was a lot more to it, you know, like than that just particular weld. So I think, you know, people love to hyper focus on things that they think are more important, like maybe some aesthetics or something like that. And in some fields, you know, people really want a nice aesthetically pleasing weld. But for me, you know, I'm happy and happier now than I've ever been with just being, uh, you know, appreciative of somebody that just does the does it and, and is like having fun, you know, making whatever, as long as it's not killing someone, you know, obviously. But So I really want to hear about these new products that you have coming out. You know, we we all have to evolve into just being more than, you know, a couple hit wonders. So I've been concentrating on bringing more to the industry rather than just welding cups. I'm also building the store where you can get your regular stuff, just plain Jane stuff, safety glasses or like bread, you know, milk. Yeah, bread, your milk, your your just (laughs) random things you need. But like like, let's be honest, some things are not made in the United States. You can't have everything made in the United States. Some things you just can't compete if you're made in the United States. So um, there's some random things in there that are just like you're off the shelf stuff that you'll see in other stores or something like that. But we do have a lot of unique items that we're, we're still coming up with. We're still manufacturing them here. We are bringing gloves, more gloves to the market. We've got a new um, MIG welding glove aluminum and and mig coming out it's called the moonwalker it's a couple different types of leather in the glove it comes up to more your uh, mid forearm elbow area it's got padding in it it's got um, aluminized kevlar it's got a revolutionary design hopefully for flexibility and protection when you're doing you know your migging or your your tigging your aluminum very very comfortable very easy. It's got Velcro that it could strap on over your jacket. Like if you got a big baggy jacket sleeve, you could open up the Velcro, stick your hand inside the glove and then Velcro it back. 
So it's got some things that has never been seen before in a welding glove. Yeah, they're pretty neato. They are pretty neat. Try to bring some style to it. We're going to do some different colors for some women too. I don't know if I'm going to go the whole pink deal. Some women like pink, some of them don't, but I think we're going to do like black and purples and stuff like that. Something a little bit more flashy. You know, it might, I might come out with it and then dudes be like, I want a different color too. So maybe we'll do some of that stuff, you know? We're making the regular gloves. We did the aprons. We're coming out with different welding helmets. We're working with different manufacturers to look at what's really good design-wise, what people want. For me anyway, I want something. I don't need to be the most expensive thing in the market, but I need to be something quality. I need to be something that someone's going to say, hey, that that was a good buy. That was that was a smart purchase. I want to offer those type of products. Yeah. Um, I don't want to give just the cheapest thing but we're always looking for products or even to develop products that meet that middle of the market type deal mm-hmm. that, you know, Hey, this is a great product. I was happy. I bought this. Like I don't want four or $5,000 range. Yeah. Four yeah. or 5,000. I got, um, I got payment options. I got, uh, yeah, Takes I got credit lenders. children. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got credit lenders on deck. You know, a lot, a lot of times, a lot of my customers are like folks that, you know, need something that's more economic. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got really, really high end customers. I got really, you know, guys that needed to use one time or they're doing it. So like trying to meet everybody's needs and things, it's hard, especially when you're a small business. You just you just can't afford to do everything um, where you're just like carrying so much stock. But um, helmets, gloves, uh, we're coming out with different new purge apparatuses. We're working on them. They're going to be made probably in another month, they're going to be banks where you could plug in many regulators. So you'll have three, right, three extra regulators on your, on your tabletop and you could run a bunch of purge lines to it. We're going to be doing more purging stuff. We're also a distributor for Tycon. So anything Tycon, anything they come out with TIG Aesthetics, we'll be doing all that. You know, Jody welding tips and tricks has always been, he's, he was like my first distributor always down to promote Jody and his stuff too. Great guy. A lot of people have grown up with him. So we have some of his stuff, anything he comes out with. Tig finger. The Tig finger. Gotta have that Tig finger. I have one. Yep. Gotta have the Tig finger. Got that in school. I was like, I gotta get this Mm -hmm. because I'm burning up my knuckles, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotta have the Tig finger. Um, Different measuring instruments, different tools. You know, we got the bead rollers, the mark out systems, I'm looking to be more of like all in one type deal where you come and, you know, search around the pages when you come like to the Amazon. website. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> but I, sorry, I can't deliver today. Oh, come on, man. Come on, man. It's called a I drone. I can't deliver today, but I could have good prices. I could <laughs> yeah. have good prices. I just can't deliver today. I also want to say that I recognize what well.com has got going on and the stuff. Hey, hey, the, the, the stuff that you guys do is pretty, pretty amazing. And, um, you know, I have like when I first came out doing this, I had wanted to do a lot of the different things you guys are doing. But you guys have just taken it to the max where I was more or less like, hey, I'm going to do think about doing a blog thing on my my website or having like a forum on my website, you know, where you guys now have hit more areas than I could have ever hit as far as like. I was in motorsports and TIG welding, you know, a little bit of MIG where you guys are doing it all. So the importance to having you guys and supporting well.com for the new people, which my company is, has grown with new people and students and stuff like that. Like we, we grown on that. So we see the importance of not only marketing, but educating to, you know, the brand new guys. And um, I think the content on well.com is very, very good content. It's important. It's very well done. It's picked out, laid out. So I am thankful that there is something that you guys have, you know, and when you continue to build the, the program and the page, stuff like that. So big shout out to you guys for even having me on or letting me be a part of this deal. I've seen well.com from when they had a couple followers to now what they are today on social media. So y'all have done a very big thing in a short amount of time. So credit to you guys for building that deal and, and being involved so much, you know, there's so many things going on in this welding industry 
and not only just welding, but you know, all the little supportive industries that attach to welding that many people are involved in and they appreciate weld.com. I appreciate you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm very impressed with the videos and, and even the organization of the website and even, you know, you guys have the, um, the downloadable app on your phone, the app on your phone. Very cool. You know, a lot of, a lot of guys, starting out brand new very important to have those apps and things like that so quick access to information where me i would have to even figure out how to download the app on my phone <laughs> it's not I'm made dead. for you sir <laughs> yeah, i'm just kidding i'm not that bad You're I got, not I got the, the target market the then it's freaking awesome it is awesome so um again thank you so much for coming out and doing that you know we're going to continue to try to meet the demands of of the welders you know a lot of in the performance markets, but we're going to try to do some new tools. I've got some patents that got approved maybe on some uh, positioners, rotary positioners. We're going to be coming out with our own positioner, possibly working with other big companies. I'm talking to another big company right now about teaming up on manufacturing the, the positioner because it's something that no one has ever seen. It serves more of a purpose than a rotary positioner we've got to start doing the development on that. And, you know, that's something that may be not cheap, but it's going to be cool. So. Well, I look forward to hearing mm -hmm. about it. I could, I'm happy to show you the, the patent information because it's been, it's already been submitted so people could see it. It's just, I haven't figured out the whole, the details about it. We still need to make the prototype too. So it's it's going to be cool. It you know, shout out to everybody making ro- tables, rotary tables. You know, they're much needed. I think they could be a lot developed. There's a lot more that can go into rotary tables than what's been traditionally done. You know, so we're um we're working on some new things to bring you know bring new things. You know, somebody mine may end up flopping. You know, whatever I make, people are like man that thing's too expensive and it sucks, but. Maybe it'll, maybe it will spur someone else on to make something cooler. I got some things I can be working on and I need to be working on. I just need to buckle down. I'll, I'll tell you from building the business, it hasn't been an easy road. It hasn't been like, Hey, I got this patent and I started making shit. And now I'm like on top of the world. Like there's been a shit ton of work. You see my shop. There's a lot of equipment. There's a lot of payments the hours it takes, you know, I'm trying to explain to people sometimes that the simplest thing to be made takes the longest amount of time. I think TV doesn't do anybody justice as far as like, hey, that thing took two seconds to make on TV, but it really took like six weeks. So and the planning and the the planning, you know, there's there's a lot, you know, like last night I had to hang racks, things like that just take forever. And you think about the people that lost you know, lose their businesses and fires and stuff like that. It's not so much replacing the welding machine. It's replacing all the custom shit that they built to make their jobs easier. You know, that's what took all the time is to make all the stuff that can't be bought and replaced because it was made by you and it was developed by you. So there's so much stuff even in this place that you just can't buy and have been made over the years. But I'm like I got burnt out for a while. So trying to get back, get motivated, get building new things, even get back making new things. And even if it's junk, I want to make, I want to make junk. I don't care, whatever. I'll make some junk. You try to make things that people will like all the time. Sometimes you don't succeed. So, you know, you, you know, you're going to have some floppers. Yeah. Just be ready. You know, (laughs) get ready for the flops, get ready for the flops, but get also ready for the big ones. So, you know, it's like the torch holder thing I made. Yeah. You know, that thing was like... It's killing it. It, it did good. You know, people really liked it. It's, it's expensive. It's all made here. It's, it's all made in the shop. But um, it's a risk. And anything you make is going to be a risk. You know, there's like... There's no risk. There's, there's no, no reward. There is no reward, you know? And like pricing, you know, some companies will probably charge double what I charge for it. But I want more people to have it. And that's my whole motto in, in this business is that like I rather 10,000 people have something than get rich off of 100 people. You know what I mean? So I'd rather work a little bit harder and give more joy to people 
and be more affordable than, you know, just some things you got to have expensive, but like, you know, thank God the torch holders didn't flop. I thought there was a gamble there because they're just, they hold a torch, but they're neat. So people like neat things. Well, I always try to end the podcast with some advice. Mm -hmm. So considering you have built a business, what would be your biggest advice if you wanted to start producing stuff? I think for one thing, if I was a guy listening to me speak and they were just kind of confused about what they wanted to do or how they wanted to go about it, I think they, for one, they need to look around the area and see what's needed, right? And then figure out how to become a niche or a like a player in that game. For instance, a lot of people around here want to build race car parts. And I'm like, dude, go build a set of stair rails. Dude. Yes. Because I'm going to make a lot more money off of those stair rails. I think the main thing is, is that don't be pigeonholed into one thing. You know what I mean? Like be open to build whatever comes along or whatever pays the bills, you know, and you'll find that the more you're open to taking on things that you wouldn't expect, maybe it's a route to be more successful. Yeah. You, you never know? know where one place is going to take never you. know and keep an open mind and, and keep educating yourself and don't ever think that something is the wrong way. Just at least try it. Give it a try. Just give her a try. Then you'll find, you'll find out, but don't ever, don't ever take a loss or don't ever think that a, a failure defines your person. Keep a level head and you know that failure is going to happen and embrace the failure into motivation. That's great advice. And if people are trying to find your stuff, how do they find it? www.furiccup.com. M Furic on Instagram. I finally got a TikTok. I'm not dancing, but I got a TikTok. M Furic on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got like five videos on TikTok, so about to make a big splash. But Instagram, M Furic, check me out. Go to the website. Yeah. Well, thank you, well.com. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Catch us on another episode oh, yeah. of What the Flux. I, I'm a big fan of What the Flux. I've told you that. So. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, you're the main reason it's coming back. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Well.com podcast. And thank you, Mike, for letting me come down and hang out at your shop. It was awesome to get a look behind the curtain to see how everything was made and an awesome chat as always. I also want to give a huge shout out to Lincoln Electric for sponsoring the show and helping us all learn about the different pathways available in the welding industry. If you have a topic that you'd like me to cover on the show or you'd like to be a guest, reach out to me on the Weld app at Bowdidit or shoot me an email to boww at weld.com. Speaking of the app, we want your questions. Drop your questions that you might have on something that might be giving you trouble into the feed, and it might just end up in an episode on YouTube. Download the Weld app today and join the community. Until next time, we'll see you out there. <laughs>